Hello, everyone, and welcome to the sophomore edition of CLIP, the Celtic Life International podcast. My name is Stephen Patrick Clare. I'm the editor-in-chief of Celtic Life International magazine. Lots on today's show. We've got a fantastic interview coming up with the star of the hit series Outlander, Graham McTavish, about his new book called Clanlands and a little bit about his new series called Men in Kilts. We have another fabulous interview with the new owner and publisher of Celtic Life International, Siobhan Covington. Of course, we'll be covering all sorts of other stuff from the Celtic world. So stick around and join us here on the Celtic Life International podcast. Our program today comes to you courtesy of Celtic Journeys. Come home to the Celtic Nations. Prep your travel back home now. CelticJourneys.us. Celtic Journeys. Joining me today on the program is Celtic Life International Managing Editor, Chris Muse, who has been with the publication for a few years. Chris, how are you? I'm doing good. How about yourself, Stephen? Very well, very well. Thank you. Welcome aboard uh, to our sophomore edition of the uh, Celtic Life International podcast, also known as CLIP. And uh, we've got a lot of stuff to cover today, so maybe we should get right down to it. Sure, yeah, we do indeed. We have a couple interviews. we got some music to listen to. What else do you want to talk about? Well, you know, I was thinking about uh, it's such a strange year, uh, again, with uh, COVID-19 and the pandemic and lockdown and stuff. But there are a number of Celtic events going on uh, over the coming months. And three in particular, I just wanted to take a look at. One of them is the the Dress to Kilt event, which uh, was originally put together by Sir Sean Connery a number of years ago. It takes place in uh, New York City uh, every summer. And I've been to these events in the past and they are a blast. They're hilarious. You see uh, Celts and non-Celts getting up on the runway when kilts or sometimes no kilts. And uh, (laughs) always a good time. Uh, And uh, we invite people to check out their website at dressedtokilt.com. So that's coming up in July and uh, will be a big event again this year. Uh, kind of fun to see some of these uh, celebrities on stage uh, donning the, the traditional Prince Bonnie Charlie jacket and their uh, kilts. Wait, wait. There was a fashion show where a bunch of movie stars were wandering around a, a ballroom. Is that what we're talking about or is it something different? That's it, exactly. It had rebranded for a couple of years to uh, From Scotland with Love, but is now back to its original moniker, Dressed to Kilt. So there have been some fantastic folks donning the the Scottish wear over the years, including people like Ewan McGregor and Gerard Butler and Mike Myers and just a whole host of Celtic and non-Celtic personalities. That's coming up in July, dressedtokilt.com. Also announced just today, as a matter of fact, the Milwaukee Irish Fest, which is arguably the largest Celtic festival in North America every year, has decided to go live this year. Last year, of course, they were under lockdown, had a virtual event with some success. But this year, um, they're going to be about 40 acts uh, over the course of a couple of days in lovely Milwaukee, the beer capital of North America. I'm sure there's a correlation there, don't you think, Chris? <laughs> beer and Irish Festival. <laughs> so, um, of course, Milwaukee made its name, uh, aside from uh, having a great beer, was the host city for the Laverne and Shirley television show from the 1970s. So I'm dating myself a little bit here, but uh, Laverne and Shirley were very happy to be in Milwaukee amidst all of it. In fact, the two of them were at a beer factory so you know squiggy just died recently i saw that saw that props to squiggy man i wonder if lenny's hurting that's about all my knowledge of the laverne and shirley show i'll I'll admit (laughs) 
maybe dating myself in the opposite direction. Yeah, that's right. Well, it's always good to have young blood on board. So Milwaukee Irish Fest is a go this year. Uh, you can just check out irishfest.com for more information about that. The other announcement we received in the past uh, 24 hours was that Nova Scotia's own Celtic Colors International Festival will be returning this year, uh, this autumn, this October, to its online format uh, again. It's uh, unfortunate that they have to go online, but they did have uh, quite a viewership last year. I'm hoping they expect the same this year. I imagine they are. Uh, lots of uh, incredible artists. Uh, again, arguably uh, the other big Celtic festival in North America every year, the Celtic Colors International Festival. All the details and information is uh, available via their website, Celtic-Colors.com celtic-colors.com so there's three events of course there are other events coming up and we will address those in future podcasts and as you know Stephen, because you assigned me the story i wrote about how festivals like this are adapting in covid last year a lot of them went virtual or semi-virtual and i'm glad to hear that they're coming back uh, some of them and some of them can't because right now in nova scotia it's a bit of a, a lockdown situation right now we, we we were the envy of the world for a little while and now we're knee deep in it but it's great to hear that they're coming back where they can and that the virtual stuff can happen when they can't. And I also hope a lot of these shows take some lessons from this weird period in our history where they had to adapt to virtual and make that part of the shows anyway. Because a lot of people can't travel from wherever they are to every single Celtic celebration across the globe. I'm really hoping that there's a virtual element to all these shows down the road because it's, it's just so much more inclusive to everybody. You know, it'll be interesting, Chris, to see how uh, things adapt over the coming months and over the coming year, because now that a lot of the festivals and events have incorporated the online stay-at-home component, will that have an impact on actual attendance sales, or will it just expand the audience because there's both components, whether it's live or online? By way of example, people tuning in to different events here in North America from places like Australia, who otherwise wouldn't have had the chance. It might even inspire them to eventually travel to some of these locales to attend the events in person. I know that the story you're talking about, Chris, of course, we featured on our website, which is uh, CelticLifeIntl.com, CelticLifeIntl.com. Also on our website, we've got a couple of things that might be of interest to listeners up there. One of them is a contest, and we're giving away a complimentary digital edition of Graham McTavish and Mr. Sam Hewn's most recent uh, literary effort called Clanlands, upon which the Men in Kilt series is based. So you can go to our website and check that out. We also have our latest online poll that listeners can take part in and contribute to. And the question of the jour of the week of the month is, who is your favorite Celtic musical artist? Who is your favorite Celtic musical artist? So head on over there. You can enter the contest. You can take the poll just by going to our website, CelticLifeIntl.com. That's CelticLifeIntl.com. Can I tell you mine? Tell me yours. Cecile Corbell. Mm. She's a harpist from Brittany. I interviewed her once for the magazine as well, but uh, she does lovely music. Every time I work on editing this magazine, that's what I listen to. Speaking of Graham McTavish, by the way, mm -hmm. you interviewed him recently, uh, and we have a little bit of that interview in the next segment of the show. Would you care to tell us a little bit about what listeners are going to hear? Chris, after I was, uh, as I was uh, teeing up the cover story for our, our February 2021 edition, it occurred to me that most people might give their eye teeth 
to spend some time with Graham McTavish in bed. So we Zoom called and he was he was laying there in his bed in a t-shirt uh, with a cup of coffee at his side uh, in his uh, London hotel room where he had been working on uh, another um, cinematic adventure. He was just wonderful to speak with, warm, down to earth, witty and full of uh, wisdom and uh, very open about um, what he had gone through with the COVID and trying to to remain creative. And it was a very eye-opening discussion. I bet. You know, he kind of left the door open for more discussions down the future. We have some clips from that interview and let's play them up now. Let's do that. Hello. Graham, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Very well, thank you. Very well. We spoke uh, about four years ago. Oh my God. Yeah, so a lot's happened since that time. Wow. Well, four years ago. Bloody hell. Yeah. Um, uh, where are you today? I'm in London at the moment. I guess, you know, my first question, I seem to be asking this a lot more than in recent years. Uh, what have you been doing uh, quarantined <clears throat> and how have you been coping with coronavirus? <clears throat> yeah, good question. Um, well, I was in New Zealand when all that started. We had, I can't even remember now, I think it was a month of lockdown there. What happened was that that's what precipitated uh, Sam and I writing Clanlands, was that we spent uh, the four months up to when I left New Zealand in July writing the book. So in that sense, coronavirus um, is the sort of the weird parent of uh, Clanlands. It helped us do it. Um, he was in Scotland, I was in New Zealand, and we were both supposed to be doing uh, other things. So it was fortuitous in that sense. To be quite honest with you, if we hadn't had that four months, I doubt whether we would have been able to get the book out this year. You know, you were talking with a few people recently, Graham. A lot of people have turned inward and they've started to develop more of an inner life, whether it's reading or creative work. Is the same mm. true for you, you think? Uh, I mean, I've always read. That's been something that I've always done way, way before this. It's been a part of my life. Uh, and I've been used to spending great periods of time on my own by nature of the kind of work that I do, really. Mm -hmm. um, you find yourself alone in trailers. Acting teaches you patience. That's been a quite handy skill to have in the present circumstances. In terms of inward looking, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, uh, creatively, well, certainly doing the book was a, crea a, a hugely creative endeavor for me and for Sam. Mm -hmm. uh, and that was great. And it did really help with that uh, because you were forced to solely focus on writing. I mean, some people, I guess, I think it's very, very, very hard for them. Very hard. Very sort of mentally challenging, mm -hmm. really. Uh, people who aren't used to any of those kind of things. I think it's been tough. But, uh, but yeah, from my, speaking personally, I, I really can't complain too much. I imagine the challenges involved in writing a book are vastly different from those of, of your chosen profession. Yes, yes, indeed. I mean, the way we wrote it, it was a conversation, really. And it was a conversation done through curses on a shared document. So he would write something and I would see it in real time and literally start replying, you know, that's not what happened. It naturally developed into this um, 
rather extended conversation that formed the basis of the book. Some of the more historical things were more reflective and researched and and I loved that because I love I love researching stuff. I love finding out about these things as well. I knew quite a, a, a fair amount. Yeah, it was it was an interesting process and and one that I found well, I hesitate to say easy, but I, I definitely found it very enjoyable. I really um, enjoyed sitting down and, and throwing myself into that. The more I looked into certain things, like Culloden and Flanco and just Scottish history generally, you find yourself going down these little, these little rabbit holes and uh, discovering more and more and more and realizing that actually what you started out writing might not be what you ended up um, in terms of the direction you were heading in. That was true of quite a few passages in the book. So I'm almost embarrassed to say it. It wasn't a, the, the, it wasn't a chore at all. <laughs> so you do it again? Oh, I would definitely do it again. Yeah, I think you know Sam and I are very keen to do it again. Actually, the to me it was a story of of. It, it's funny. My mum is reading the book. I passed along my copy to her. Oh, and, I love it. Uh, she said it was like two frat boys. <laughs> and I thought. <laughs> It was quite apt because the, the strength of your friendship with Sam is, is very evident and you grew closer together over the course of this entire yes. For sure, definitely. You, you, when you're thrown together and simply by virtue of how unplanned the experience was, we were very reliant on each other to keep everything going because we were in charge of the filming. I mean, we were the producers. We, we were literally calling the shots and we had all that responsibility and we, we had a very, very tight schedule. We didn't have much time at all. So we were tearing all over the countryside. So we really did have to kind of rely on each other and be confident that the other one had our back.
That was Song of Books by Montreal Celtic Triad Boomerang. They also provided our opening salvo for this episode, which is a song entitled Haste to the Wedding. We'll probably use that as our outro as well. What do you think? Great, great tune. Always fabulous to feature artists from the Celtic world on our podcast, and we're, we're grateful for the opportunity to do so. We're also grateful to our sponsor for the program, Celtic Journeys, bringing the Celtic world home to you by bringing you home to the Celtic world. That's CelticJourneys.us. Chris, we've also got another great interview teed up. Recently, you spoke with Celtic Life International's new owner and publisher, Siobhan Cummington, from her home in Toronto. Tell me, uh, how was that? It was good. I'm glad to get an opportunity to get to know our new publisher better. So far, so good. I think we, we're going to have a great relationship. What I chose to do, this interview is exclusive. We recorded it for this podcast. And I know she wrote a thorough introduction to herself in the first issue she took over. So we know a lot about her background and her connection to the Celtic world and stuff. So I thought, take it a little bit more of a lighthearted direction. Uh, what I did is I looked at her answers for the Celtic connection that we've all done, which is just a little questionnaire about our interests and our pet peeves and stuff. And I thought I'd ask her about some of those. Great. Here's our interview with Celtic Life International's new publisher and owner, Siobhan Cuppington. Uh, Siobhan, the newest uh, member of the Celtic Life team. Uh, how's it going today, Siobhan? It's fine here, Chris. Thank you for having me this morning. It's a beautiful day here in Ontario. For, for our listeners, what we're going to do today is we're going to talk a little bit about your Celtic connection. All, all of us have done this in the past. It's a little questionnaire just answering some questions about ourselves, just little interesting tidbits, and I thought I'd ask you about a few of them. That'd be great. So I see here your pet peeve is overpackaging. Can you tell me what you mean by that? I am a real supporter of the environment and environmental advocates. And I think that if we don't do something soon um, about what we're doing to this planet, we're going to be in a desperate situation, or at least our children and grandchildren will be. And especially now, I think we're all receiving packages, uh, deliveries to our doorstep, Grocery shopping, everything's now being packaged, and I think it's something that would very easily be addressed. Uh, it's something that I strive towards all the time is to eliminate that. And I don't, I make shopping decisions based on how things are packaged. Mm -hmm. I wish that vendors and manufacturers would understand that it's it's a really uh, it's a really serious issue. Of course, yeah, uh, and and you're right. It is a time where a lot of people are doing a lot of home shopping, if you will, and uh, probably a lot of people are a little more, less particular about how they make waste just because of the situation, but we, we need to be mindful of that even in that time. What's like the worst packaging you've ever seen? I'm kind of curious if you have like a, an ultimate uh, sinner in this regard. Off the top of my head, you know, like a, a, a big box with very small items in it, um, all wrapped up in bubble wrap many times. It's not even a fragile item. Everybody has a different experience with what can be um, recycled where they live. Um, we have a pretty good re uh, recycling program here in Ontario, but there are things that still require um, extra steps to get them recycled like things like styrofoam packaging and that kind of thing and a lot of people don't make those extra steps even that they're made available to them um, but uh, I, I think just the volume of unnecessary 
packaging for things that aren't even fragile. And they come to the door all the time when we get deliveries. And we try to keep that down to a, a bare minimum, it's for sure. But uh, it's still a big issue with most of the things that we get. I'm looking at your travel bucket list because you, in, in, you mentioned your favorite places to travel, including Paris and Italy, Portugal, Costa Rica, and good old Canada here. So I assume you've been to all those places. I have. I bring that up because your travel bucket list mentions Ireland, which, I mean, especially given your work with us now, that seems obvious. But Croatia, what is it about Croatia that summons you? Well, I think it's a a beautiful country, and I always wanted to go before there was the trouble there onto the into to Yugoslavia and uh, the coast there is apparently beautiful and there's lots of culture and history and I, I think that's if I'm going somewhere it either has to have some kind of natural draw like Costa Rica you you can't beat the rainforests and the beaches and the both oceans and for places in Europe, it has to have fascinating history uh, to draw me in. And I think that part of the world certainly does. Your guilty pleasure is an afternoon of reading. Why is that a guilty pleasure? That sounds like a great way to spend a day. Well, it's just because I think as we get really, really busy uh, in our life, which I am, I'm incredibly busy with work and so forth, that to take off an entire afternoon to read an incredible book um, seems like you're always deferring that. And and you shouldn't. People, I shouldn't definitely think that it's something that can always be put on the back burner. But when there's so many other things on the list that need to get done, an afternoon seems like an, a lot of time. So um, I definitely try to make more and more time for it. But um, in the back of my mind, there is a little bit of guilt. Uh, <laughs> that, I like to call that freelance <laughs> guilt because I feel the same way. It's like if, if I want to sit down and play a Spider-Man game for, for a few hours, it's like, oh, but I could be working. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but you're doing research, right? <laughs> well, not, not usually with Spider-Man, but maybe sometimes. Maybe sometimes I'm lucky. Favorite musical artist, you just put rock and roll. Oh. I'm kind of curious. I want to delve into that. I want to know who who in rock and roll you like. Who who's not to like, right? <laughs> now, when you say rock and roll, that 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 has a, a wide breadth of what that means. Are we talking about like the 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 rockabillies of of the fifties and sixties? Are we talking like eighties hair metal kind of rock and roll? Like, what are we thinking of? The whole genre. There's very <laughs> few that are not fabulous. ACDC, Aerosmith, uh, Motley Crue, and then some of the older ones. I've been to many concerts, um, Guns N' Roses and Poison and, you know, the hair metal ones. And I don't think there may be one or two that that aren't on the top of my list that I, I really enjoy. But if you really want to feel the music and uh, enjoy it. I think any any bit of rock and roll is is my favorite, absolutely. I keep my fist raised up full time against the world Sometimes for the family and sometimes for the girl, yeah, you think 
That was the new song Middle Finger by the Dropkick Murphys in honor of Siobhan's taste for rock and roll. Uh, We'll have a little bit more to say about Dropkick Murphys and their newest music in our upcoming issue. More great music here on the sophomore Celtic Life International podcast, also known, by the way, as Clip. Chris, great to have you on board for this podcast. Tell me, any ideas on future podcasts? Any ways that we can grow this program and anything? uh, (laughs) Putting me on the spot there, Stephen, but I I have some thoughts. Uh, For people who don't know, I also do some podcast work for another company where I edit the podcast. And this is something I'm going to be bringing to the table here as well. And I found that the best thing to do with a podcast is to not overthink it too much. Right. We know what we want to talk about. We plan a little bit in terms of the segments that we're going to air, but otherwise, I think the best thing to do is let the podcast find itself. We want to hear back from listeners. Do they like it? Do they lump it? If they do lump it, what would they change? And without being beholden too much to the passing whims of our audience, I think we're open to ideas, right? Yep, we're always open to ideas. In fact, if listeners want to share their ideas with us, we'd love to get their feedback. They can reach us via email at info at CelticLife.com. That's info at CelticLife.com. Chris, you also have some stories coming up for the next edition of Celtic Life International Magazine, which will be published at the end of June, both in print and digital formats. Mm-hmm. Working at, what are you working on? The one I'm most excited about is one I've been wanting to do for like at least a year, if not since the moment I joined this <laughs> this publication, is I'm working on a story about the Irish animation industry. Mm. I got to interview Gary Sheeran from Cartoon Saloon. And I also, here, here's some news for you, Stephen. I just confirmed I'm going to be talking with somebody from Boulder Media. Excellent. Cartoon Saloon, they make feature-length films about Celtic lore, at least a couple movies based on that. The Book of Kells, originally, and they also did a movie about the Selkie legend called The Song of the Sea. Uh, I haven't seen that one yet, but I did see their most recent film outing, which was Wolfwalkers. Mm. What a lovely animated film that was. 
I don't want to say too much about it because I want to encourage people to go out there and watch it, but it was nominated for an Academy Award even for Best Animated Feature. Mm, mm. It's amazing, you know, when you take a look at Celtic culture, and, and perhaps we'll sort of close on this idea looking forward, that there is an entire section of the Celtic cultural industry that is really geared around younger people. And I think that animation is a vital door to opening up our history and our heritage to new generations of audiences. I agree. But, you know, I also don't think animation is exclusively the realm of children either. There's lots of great animated features that are either set in Scotland or Ireland or the UK or another Celtic nation, or they're made there or they're about people from there uh, that are just as good for adult audiences. One I highly recommend is a movie called The Illusionist by Sylvian Chaumet. Uh, it's set in Edinburgh, and I don't want to say much more than that because it's a story that tells itself. Right. And of course, you know, you'll be covering that in the forthcoming edition of our next publication, our August 2021 edition, which comes out end of June. Chris, that's all the time we have for today. Awesome to have you joining. Any parting shots? Uh, can't wait for junior year. <laughs> Great stuff. Listen to all our audience. Thanks very much for tuning in and for listening. Um, we've got another podcast coming up in a few weeks. Uh, stay tuned right here for more information on that. We will see you all next time on uh, the Celtic Life International podcast. Thanks for joining. Ciao for now. Ciao.